Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Paper Route Podcast. I am your host, Styles. This is episode five. And before we get into everything that we're going to talk about, I want to say thank you for listening to all the past episodes. Thank you for always tuning in. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking. Thank you for following all that good stuff. I hope you all are having a great day, a great morning, a great afternoon, a great night. Whenever you're listening to this, I hope you're having a good day. Now, I know I've been gone for a while, so I guess I should just update you guys on my life. So since the last time you heard me, that was like around Valentine's Day. So I guess like I'll explain everything. So usually on Valentine's Day, like that's a bad day for me. It's a bad day for me because I'm always, you know, just sad. I always had this fascination with love and trying to find it. First figuring out what love is and then trying to find it. And I would do everything I can to try to find it. So I'm the type of person where I first, I can't just automatically date you. I got to figure out who you are first. So whether that's through text messages or, you know, we just go then that's like, that's more dating now that I'm thinking about it. I guess like in my past, at least let's say 2010, 2011, the way that I was like around women was, you know, we go to the same school, we have the same class. So we're automatically talking about what's going on at school, what's going on in our classes, homework, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of figure out who you are from there. And If you got qualities or traits that I'm attracted to, then I'm like, okay, let me see if I could push the pedal a little bit or not push the pedal, but up things a little bit and try to get to know you even more and like figure out who you are rather than just knowing about school stuff. So I don't know if that's, you know, me wanting to be friends with them first and then trying to move on to the next part. Maybe that's why like I get friend zoned a lot because I, I have like a horrible routine. Rather than just being like, yo, you cute, I'm feeling you, blah, blah, blah. Let me get your number so we could like talk a bit more or, you know, maybe we can go out sometime. Instead, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, that art class was crazy, especially like trying to draw faces and stuff. I'm not too good at that. Maybe we could spend like our little break that we have from each period and you could teach me how to draw a perfect circle even better. Now I understand, like, that's probably why I got friend zone so much back in the day. Or, eh, I don't know about now, but at least back in the day, I can understand why I got friend zone now looking back at it. Because I was trying to be a friend rather than, oh, you cute, you look attractive, or, you know, I like how you dress. Let me get to know you better and see what goes on from there. Now that that rambling's done... <laughs> So Valentine's used to be a shitty day. I would just be sad because I'm alone. I'm single. Everywhere I go, I see couples doing couple things, whether it's on social media or whether it's in person. And I would feel some type of way. So I would watch sad movies like uh, Blue Valentine. I never seen The Notebook. I have uh, The Notebook scene in one of my songs that's on SoundCloud, but I never watched the movie. Because I know how depressing that movie is. Like, I've heard horror stories about it. So I would watch Blue Valentine or Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, Another one of the movies that I really like is Remember You. It would be these, I would watch these uh, romance movies. Kind of has drama in there, but it's like basically romance. Because that's what I wanted and that's what I needed on that day. And this would be happening from, like I said, 2010 
all the way up to last year or this year. I mean, once Valentine's Day hit this year, I wasn't sad. I wasn't lonely. I wasn't being like, damn, I'm about to drown my sorrows and some alcohol or let me get some pizza or chocolate. Nah, like I was chilling. I was in a good mood. I was in a get good headspace. I wasn't, you know, thinking about negative stuff. It was just a real positive day. And I was proud of myself for that because I'm so used to being negative on that day and being down. And then I'm actually not down this time. I'm positive. I'm in good spirits. I'm having like positivity around me and things like that. That was I was proud of myself for that. So this Valentine's Day, I watched uh, Malcolm and Marie. And I watched it just because I think it came out on that day or somewhere around then. And Kit Cudi had something to do with it, so I had to watch it. Zendaya, I love her from Euphoria, so I had to watch it. Um, I can't remember the other guy's first name. I know he's Denzel Washington Jr.'s son. Not Jr. I know he's Denzel Washington's son. So I automatically was like, okay, let me watch the movie just because these two... uh, these the two stars and are really good at their job. And when I was watching it, I'm learning like, OK, this is what I feel like most relationships are in my generation where you see a lot of toxic. I cannot say that word. You see a lot of toxic things going on. You see a lot of healthy things going on, but more toxic. Right. And I don't want to spoil the movie for anyone, but it's like a lot of drama. It's a romance movie. And I feel like a lot of arguments that was happening in the movie happens in like real life couples. You know, you have a very big it's a big day for you. Like you're just on cloud nine because you're getting recognition. And then the person that's by your side, you know, the one who's with you day and night, the one that's holding your hand and blah, blah, blah. You see that they're not being supportive or they're not in a good mood as you. And then that's when things go left. That's when things go downhill. And I feel like most relationships kind of have that problem where, you know, there's inner jealousy in the relationship or, you know, you feel disrespected by what your partner said or did. And it kind of lingers and you want to leave it alone because you may be thinking I might be, you know, this might be I might be making it bigger than what it really is. You know, and some people do that. I know I do that sometimes where I'll read a text message or somebody will say something in my vicinity and I feel like they'll be I feel like they're being disrespected and instead of me like saying something about it right then and there I'll kind of leave it alone and let it linger inside and now when I'm letting it linger I'm making it a bigger issue than what it really is you know I'm the type of person I'm learning how to stop doing that but I'm not going to lie I do do that sometimes so Watching Malcolm and Marie and seeing how realistic it was to a certain extent was real cool. It's on Netflix, by the way. Um, one thing that was intriguing to me was that the whole film is in black and white. When I saw the trailers, I was like, oh, they're using black and white trailers. It's kind of weird. Maybe I don't know why they're doing it. Maybe just when they show the film, it'll be in color. But the whole film was in black and white. That doesn't really affect me in a negative way. Like, it's a cool it's still a cool movie. Um, I feel like most people won't like it just because of there's no like comedy or action. It's just more of drama. You're literally watching a couple go through a night, just one night. 
And, you know, you have arguments, you have love, you have happiness, you have sadness, you have things that may trigger you, you have things that might not trigger you. So it's it's a good movie overall. So not only did I watch, you know, uh, Malcolm and Marie on Valentine's Day, but next couple of weeks I watched Justice League Snyder Cut, and I don't want to talk about it right now. I want to wait till next episode, so I'm going to give you guys like a week and a half to kind of be able to watch it. It's a four-hour film. It's on HBO Max. If you got, you know, a Roku or a Fire Stick, you could definitely finesse that. But we're definitely going to talk about it next next episode. Another thing I watched was WandaVision. I didn't really, like, I didn't really see the hype around it. Um, I know people were, like, going crazy based off the fact that there was two Visions and... You know, you had uh, Quicksilver from um, the from, you know, the Warner or not. You had Quicksilver from another. You had the other Quicksilver rather than the one that was in the Marvel movies. And that, you know, was a big surprise for people. I just I don't know. The movie just what or not the movie. The TV show just wasn't it for me. It was cool. It just wasn't. I didn't really understand the hype around it. The Falcon and Winter Soldier. Now I'm watching that, and that's a really good show. Uh, maybe that's because I'm biased, because I'm a I'm a Captain America fan. That's my favorite superhero. So, er, it's between Captain America and Wolverine, but at least in Marvel, well, damn, they're both in Marvel. Uh, at least for as of right now, Captain America is my favorite. But you know, watching the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's intriguing because you're kind of seeing them to deal with the fact that Captain America's gone. So Cap Cap is gone and the last time we seen Captain America, he gave uh Falcon his shield and then he went to go back to another universe where he's with his uh his his girl. He gave up everything and went to be with his girl. And then you have the Winter Soldier who's kind of dealing with the act- after effects of Endgame and you know, he's not in Wakanda anymore. Uh, his best friend isn't there anymore. He's really not an Avenger, I guess. Or at least he's not with the group. So he's dealing with all of that going on. It's a real good show. Uh, at the time of me recording this, it is, they just did episode two. So I'm excited to watch all of it because I know these series are leading up to Black Widow. But even then, I don't know because Marvel keeps pushing back Black Widow. One thing I am excited about is Godzilla vs. Kong. It comes out this weekend. I'm definitely going to go check that out. Uh, I've always been, or not always, but I watched all the Godzilla and King Kong movies that came out during this decade or at least recently. I haven't watched any of the old ones, but I'm very hype about it. But now that we got that out the way. Oh, no, there's one more thing I want to tell you about. I went snowboarding. Um, snowboarding has always been something I wanted to do. It was definitely on my bucket list. As a kid in middle school, I loved watching the X Games, whether it was the Summer X Games or the Winter X Games. You know, watching people like Nigel Houston and Tony Hawk, uh, Sean White on Summer and Winter, uh, Bob Burnquist, Dave Mara, Ryan, Metz, Ryan, Ryan Metzer. I think that's how you say his name. Mike Metzer is who I'm thinking of. Ryan Nyquist, I don't know if I said his name already. Uh, Paul Rodriguez. These are all people that, you know, 
I would see during these competitions, whether it was skateboarding, BMX, Moto X, or snowboarding, and I'm like, yo, this is something that I want to do because it looks cool. You know, watching them do 540s or kickflips and things of that nature, I was like, that's what I want to do. And when I was living in North Carolina for a bit, my dad would take me to, you know, skate parks and just watch. And I'll be able to watch people do it like face to face. I never went out there to do it, but I watched them do it. So the fact that I was able to get something off my bucket list like snowboarding was a really great experience. Uh, Yes, I busted my ass a lot. Um, I always remember Triple H on Tough Enough telling people, you know, when you fall, just tuck your chin in. And this is in a wrestling match. And he's like, you know, tuck your chin in because if you don't, you're going to get a concussion. That always stuck with me. So when we went snowboarding, every time I fell, I made sure I tucked my chin in because if I didn't, I probably would have remembered the rest of that day. But it was a cool uh, it was a cool experience. It's definitely something that I want to do again. You know, I'm definitely going to invest into it. You know, living on the East Coast, we always have snow and it's it's always snow here. So it snows like late November all the way up to end of February. Sometimes it goes through March. We're in March right now and we had snow like a couple weeks ago. So the fact that it snows for that long, it gives me time to be like, okay, depending on like my financial situation, I could go snowboarding once or twice a month or even like uh, we could expand it to three or four times, right? So it's definitely something that I'm going to do because I love, I love watching snowboarding and the fact that I was able to do it and I had fun is just going to make me want to do it even more. And that's pretty much what's been going on with my life, really. You know, the snowboarding, Valentine's Day, uh, I was able to, yeah, just snowboarding, uh, Valentine's Day, watching like a bunch of movies and TV shows that were popular at the time because I'm so used to watching things late. You know, I watched Parasite late. Everybody was been talking about it and I saw it so late. So now that I'm able to watch stuff in current time and be able to engage myself with what everyone's talking about on social media, it's a pretty cool feeling. And the one thing that I really want to talk about this episode is the NBA trade deadline. So I'm currently recording this. What's today's date? Today is March 29th. So the NBA trade deadline was March 25th. And for someone who doesn't know like how important the trade deadline is, this is usually where teams make big moves for playoffs or at least free agency. You know, you'll see some teams who are in the bottom of the standings and they have stars on their team. They may trade their star so they could get draft picks. So even so that in free agency or during the draft, they could trade these picks to help their team get better with a little bit of veterans, or they could draft and rebuild. There's other teams who are fighting for playoff spots. They try to trade for one more piece that they think is going to help them get into the playoffs. There's championship teams like uh, the Lakers and the Clippers, the Nets, the Bucks. These are teams that are already in the playoffs. They're already in talks of, like, being able to make it to the finals, they may make moves in free agency, whether it's buyouts or whether it's trades to try to get that extra person 
so that they can really make it for sure known like, yo, we we win in this. It's win or nothing. A couple trades I want to talk about, and then I'll tell you guys, you know, uh, who I believe won the draft. Or, not. I'm sorry. I'll tell you guys who I believe won the trade deadline on the East and on the West. First trade I want to talk about is the Bulls trading Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. and two first-round picks for Nikola Vucevic and Alf. Al Afruk, oh my God, Aminu. We're just going to say Aminu. This is the first trade I want to talk about because this was the first big trade that happened. You know, there was two trades before this with JaVale McGee getting traded and also uh, DeLorean Wright getting traded. But this was the first big trade. The Bulls gave up two first-round picks, one that has to do with the upcoming draft this season, and one was like two, three years from now. But the important thing is they got rid of Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. Wendell Carter Jr. was someone that the Bulls drafted, I believe, two years ago. But I want to say he hasn't played even 50 games in his season. He's just been injured. The same goes for Otto Porter Jr. Uh, He was a 3 and D player when he was on the Wizards. Great player. Was very uh, useful for them in the playoffs, especially when they had that big series against the Boston Celtics. Um... I want to say Otto Porter Jr. was there on the Wizards when Paul Pierce was there as well. But Otto Porter Jr. has been getting injured recently. And with him just being injured and Wendell Carter Jr. being injured, the Bulls needed to make a move. Especially if because they're one of the teams that's in the middle that's fighting for a playoff spot. So the fact that they traded two picks and they traded two injury-prone players... For Aminu, who is a solid defender, he could play the three. He can also play the four. So he could guard, if we're going to be honest, he could guard shooting guards, small forwards, and power forwards. Centers, I don't really know. His body frame is kind of skinny, so he don't got that much muscle on him. So he may get bullied by uh, some center, or not some, most centers. But I know that he can at least guard the two to the four position. So you get him, and then you get Nikola Vucevic, who is an all-star. You add an all-star to your team, and now he's playing with Zach Levine, who's an all-star as well. You know, Zach Levine is averaging 29 points per game. Now you have Nikola Vucevic, who is averaging 24 and 11 in the game. So you have an actual big man that could play both sides of the floor. Uh, He's very good, and he's, he's very good in the post. He could finish at the rim. I'm not saying he's a dunker like Zach Levine, but, you know, if he's under the basket, he could get you them points. I want to say he's seven feet or close to it. So he's got some height on him. He's a very, very great player. So the Bulls adding that is a they're already at the top of the list when it comes to trade deadline kings right now. Adding adding Vucevic was very big for them. The next trade I want to talk about is the Magic making another trade. Oh, I didn't mention that. The Bulls traded Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and those draft picks to Orlando Magic for Vucevic and Aminu. Then Orlando traded Evan Fournier to the Boston Celtics for two second-round picks. Now, that's very crucial because you're starting to see Orlando giving up their big players. Their big players on their team before the trade deadline was Evan Fournier, Nikola Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Foltz, uh, uh, Anthony, I can't remember his first name right now. Um, 
those were like the big players on the Magic. Those were Cole Anthony. That's his first name. Those were all the big players on the Magic. And the Magic, they, uh, they're they an okay team. They don't have enough to kind of do something. They don't have, like, enough power to make some noise in the playoffs. Um, when Jonathan Isaac got hurt, it was real bad for them. They were in the bubble, but when Isaac got hurt, it was kind of downhill from there. Aaron Gordon on the Magic, he wasn't really playing his true position, which was a small forward. Instead, they had him at a power forward, and he couldn't play small forward because Jonathan Isaac was there, right? They drafted Mo Bamba. He he wasn't getting any playing time until after the trade deadline this year. Um, I remember Bismack Biombo had a great playoff, a great playoff run for the Raptors, and then he became a free agent. And Orlando dropped that bag on him. And since then, he's been irrelevant. The Magic have always been on some BS, if we're going to be honest. They're just an iffy team. But going back to the trade deadline, they traded Fournier to the Celtics, which is really huge. Because the Celtics is supposed to be a top four team in the East, right? You have the rising star in Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown, who's been playing amazing this season. You have a great defender in Marcus Smart. You have Kemba Walker, who we all know what he did in Charlotte. Um, You also have uh, Daniel Tice. You have Tristan Thompson. You have Robert Williams, who's emerging. Like, the Celtics is a really, really good team, but they weren't winning games. They weren't winning games, whether it's Kemba being injured or I always put the focus on Kemba because if the Celtics can make the playoffs without Kemba, with Kemba playing, you guys should be top three, top three, top four teams in the East. But with Kemba being there, it looked like it just wasn't working. You know, it looked like the chemistry was just off. Uh, you know, I feel like most times Tatum was the one that was doing the playmaking rather than Kemba. So I just thought the fit with Kemba, Marcus Smart, Tatum, and Brown just wasn't working. But them adding Fournier. It's definitely a big addition because I'm going to assume Fournier is going to come off the bench. Well, see, there's the problem now. Because if you're starting for before the trade was Kemba at the one, Marcus Smart at the two, Jalen Brown at the three, and then Jason Tatum at the four, adding Fournier, it kind of complicates things because now you're like, all right, who do we start more? Do we start Marcus Smart or do we start Evan Fournier? Evan Fournier, he plays both ends on the floor. I'm not saying he's a great defender like Marcus Smart, but he could he could play some defense. Marcus Smart, on the other hand, he's not as an offensive player as Evan Fournier. So Brad Stevens, the coach of the Boston Celtics, has to figure out when, or, when uh, Fournier is able to play, what is he going to go with? Is he going to go with offense or is he going to go with defense? And that's a very important question that he needs to answer sooner rather than later but very big pickup for the Celtics with Fournier the second move by the Magic to kind of get rid of their players as in or get rid of their important players as in they're trying to just give up this season to be completely honest they're definitely in rebuild mode the next big trade that happened was the Magic trading again which was Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets for Gary Harris RJ Hampton and a 2025 first round pick Now, this is one of the pivotal trades that I've seen because first you have the Magic 
once they traded these three players in Vucevic, Fournier, and Gordon, that let me know that they're saying, hey, Jonathan Isaac, this is your team when you come back. When you come back, you're going to be the man running the show. You'll have Cole Anthony at point guard. You will have uh, Markel Fultz, who's also going to be at point guard. And Jonathan Isaac's going to be the man running the small forward. And with them doing that, the addition of Gary Harris. Gary Harris is an okay player. He can play defense, so he could guard the one and two position. He's also, he could shoot the ball as well. You have RJ Hampton, who I'm very high on. Uh, he's a rookie this season. He didn't really get that much playing time on the Nuggets just because the Nuggets is such a, the Nuggets is like a, that team is so stacked where you have Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, Nikola Jochik. You have Bo Bo. You have Campano, I believe that's how you say his name. You have, that team was just way too stacked. And, the fact that they gave up Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, and a draft pick for Aaron Gordon, I think they make that move to kind of get or they make that move as the initial way to get rid of Paul Millsap. I want to say Paul Millsap signed with them last year or two years ago, and he got a bag from them. But I believe with the addition of Aaron Gordon, that's kind of them moving in the direction of sooner than later getting rid of Paul Millsap. Because Aaron Gordon could be there as your four. And even though I said earlier Aaron Gordon was on the Magic and he wasn't playing his true position as a small forward, they only had him as a power forward, we also don't know what Aaron Gordon's game is. Yes, we know that he's a slasher and he could dunk and finish at the rim, but what else can we do? The Denver Nuggets coach is really, really good. So he'll be able to figure out, okay, Aaron Gordon is this piece. We're going to put him in this type of offense, and this is where he'll shine at and help us on the floor. Because I definitely don't think they traded for Aaron Gordon to have him come off the bench. Maybe they did. They played uh, last night. I wasn't able to watch the game, but I it's going to be intriguing to see how Aaron Gordon fits on that team. I think he will. I know he will. It'll just be intriguing to see, like, what kind of rotations do they put him in? Will they put him with the starters, but then when most starters get out the game, is he still going to be in there? You know, Or is he going to be coming off the bench and he'll be one of the is he going to be their sixth man? These are like questions that I have that we'll find out later in the season. Right now, he just played his first game with them, so we don't really know. The next trade I want to talk about is the Houston Rockets trading Victor Oladipo for Avery Bal Avery Badley for Avery Bradley and Kelly Olenek. This wasn't a really big trade, but I only mentioned it just because Victor Oladipo has been getting shipped a lot or shipped around a lot recently, but. It's important to note that Victor Oladipo, a couple of weeks ago, or when he went to the Rockets, he was saying he wants to play for a team that wants him. Even before the trade deadline, you start hearing that Houston wants to trade Oladipo. Oladipo's been injured for a majority of the season. The games that he has played, he's did okay. But majority of the games, it was like, eh. Because they have John Wall. John Wall's a great player. He's showing that he just needs a full season under him. And I feel like... This season right here is helping John Wall get his legs under him. And then, like, next season, I believe, is when John Wall is going to go back to the John Wall that we know. Christian Wood is just showing you why he's a top 10 center in the league. The man plays both ends of the floor. He'll get you some boards. He definitely gets buckets. Christian Wood is a really, really nice center. 
And with them trading Oladipo to Miami, one, this helps Miami because they kind of needed an extra piece. They needed a defensive player. They have Tyler Hero, who's not a defender. They have Duncan Robinson, who's not a defender. Drogic, he's an okay defender. Kendrick Nunn, he's, he's all right, but he's not really a defender as well. So them getting Victor Oladipo, you now have two players and Victor Oladipo and Jimmy Butler who could play the one through four position. Or not play one through four, but they'll be able to guard that. Eh, I wouldn't say the four. They definitely for sure could guard the one through three. Uh, They still have Andre Iguodala, and you know, he's a great defender. He's aging, but he's still a great defender. So Miami taking that trade, they get defense. They give up Kelly Olenek, who is a power forward. He can play the five. Uh, he's, he's definitely a shooter. I think he became a shooter during his late seasons in Boston. And then when he went to Miami, he showed it off. But Kelly Olenek's a great player. Avery Bradley, same situation as Andre Iguodala, where he's aging, but he's still a great defender. Miami with this trade, I definitely see them still showing like, I still see them making the playoffs, of course. But do I think this move helps them get to the, uh, the finals? That is a very good question because, you know, you have Milwaukee, who we already know what they do. You have Boston, who's going to emerge. It's just a matter of time. I don't see Boston not making the playoffs. That's crazy. Uh, Toronto, they kept Kyle Lowry. Uh, We're going to talk about Toronto actually in a little bit. But Toronto currently isn't in the playoffs, but they also dealt with a lot of players being out because of COVID. A lot of their games were suspended or postponed, I mean. So I see Toronto making moves. Uh, what other teams? You have Brooklyn. There's no need to talk about them. We know what they do. The Knicks, they're currently in the playoffs. Um, do I see them staying in the playoffs? I don't know. I don't think anyone thought that Julius Randle would be playing all-star stats or putting up all-star stats like he's been doing this season. So the Knicks is definitely a team that surprised a lot of people. Just because we're so used to the Knicks being bad and just being one of the worst teams in the league, to see them actually being in the playoffs is kind of crazy. Uh, you have the Philadelphia 76ers. They're doing great right now. Even with Embiid out, they're still, you know, winning games. But we also know that the Sixers isn't that good when it comes to playoff games. Uh, Charlotte, they're in the playoffs. A lot of that is due to Terry Rozier, LaMelo, and P.J. Washington. Um, But with LaMelo being out for at least four weeks, that's cutting it close. Will he be back before the season ends? Who knows? Are they going to end his season? Who knows? Because he may just come back two weeks before the playoffs start. And if they're in the playoffs, you got to you gotta play him. I mean, he helped bring you there. But then that's a question. He is a rookie. Uh, he's, he's young. I want to say LaMelo's 20 probably. But he's a young player and he just got injured. Do you kind of say, do you just shut him down for the season, even if you make the playoffs? Or do you be like, you know what? We're going to let you play because we know you're one of the key pieces that brought us here to begin with. With the trade deadline, I realized the Eastern Conference tried to make noise so that they could be as competitive as the West. Because for years, everyone always looked at, or before LeBron left the West, it was always a guarantee like, okay, LeBron's making the finals because he's on the Eastern Conference. And even when LeBron left, it still seemed like the West, even when LeBron was in the East, the West was still like the dominant conference. You had all these different teams in the West that was fighting for that eighth seed. And now they're still doing the play-in tournament like they did in the bubble. So it kind of makes 
makes things complicated, but the Western Conference was always the toughest conference. But now with certain trades and, you know, KD, Harden, and Kyrie being in Brooklyn, Ben and Embiid being in uh, Philly, Giannis and Middleton and Holiday in Milwaukee, um, you got Siakam and Van Vliet, um... Kyle Lowry in Toronto. It's a lot of good teams in the East. A lot of emerging teams such as the Knicks and the Hornets. I think the Cavs are going to be really good. They need another piece. Jared Allen is a great center. The combination of Sexton and Garland's working for them. I mean, they're still not winning games just because they don't have, they don't have a star if we're going to be honest. They need someone that is going to get them buckets when they need it. You know, someone that will be able to control the game. I don't think they have that. Some people may, Colin Sexton thinks he's like that but I don't think they have I don't think he's there yet if they get someone who's sort of on the level of Tatum or Jalen Brown Zach Levine someone on that sense to where like you know they could carry this team and help them and especially when they got those other pieces like Garland Sexton and Allen Larry Nance Jr. Osmond they have really good players on that team they just need a star or at least an all-star but back to the trades, Miami uh, also trades Silva and Harkless to the Kings for, oh my God, I can't say his name, Bialicia, you know who I'm talking about. They add a shooter into him. So yes, they give up Kelly Olenek, but they get the B guy. They get the B guy from the Kings to pretty much make up for that. Then you have the Clippers trading Lou Williams to the Hawks for Rondo and two future draft picks. I put this down just because Rondo going to the Clippers, they have another great defensive guard to kind of play with Patrick Beverly, but it's weird because there's there who's on their bench now. Luke Kennard is the only person I could think of that's on their bench. I don't think he's going to be able to take up the spot that Lou will have. Before free agency of last season, Lou will and Montrez Harrell was the Clippers bench. They were the bench mob. They ran that bench. They made sure like, you know, when the starters were getting rest that they were doing everything they can to either keep the lead or keep the game close or even you know try to make it close they were that bench unit and the fact that now Montrez is going with the Lakers and now Lou Will just got traded to the Hawks they don't really have an identity on the bench anymore and I feel like them trading Lou Will is going to be crucial to their, de- not demise, but it's going to just put a lot of weight on players like Paul George and Kawhi and Zubak. And it, I also mentioned this trade because Lou Will was thinking of retiring once he got traded. He felt like he was loyal to the Clippers for X amount of years. He stayed with them no matter what. He didn't complain about pay grades, blah, blah, blah. And he felt like it was just disrespectful for them to trade him. And some people could say, oh, I understand. But then there could be other people that say, you know, well, this is a business. As much as you try not to make it personal, this is a business and things like that happen. You know, you have to prepare yourself to get traded. You know, I never would have thought that Derrick Rose would leave the Bulls, but he did. I never expected Paul Pierce to leave the Celtics, but he did. And I'm trying to, I'm saying those to say like trades happen. Um, It is business, but I do understand Lou Will feeling the way that he felt. Another trade I want to talk about is the Wizards trading Troy Brown and Mo Wagner to the Bulls for Daniel Gafford and Hutchinson. This was a trade where, you know, the Bulls are just adding more pieces. That's pretty much what it is. Uh, If you watch KO for, oh, I can't even... If you watch Kenny on YouTube, you know, he he likes to say he traded for players, then he flipped those assets. And that's what the Bulls did. They traded Daniel Gafford and Hutchinson for Troy Brown and Mo Wagner. And then they trade Mo Wagner to the Celtics for Daniel Tice. 
which is very huge because you got Troy Brown now who could play defense. And you also have Daniel Tice, who could, who's a great center, plays both ends of the floor. He could shoot a little bit. Daniel Tice is going to be coming off the bench. So with him and Thaddeus Young being on the bench, they're already like the Bulls is looking nice. Um, another trade that happened, which to me was the most impactful, was the Raptors trading Norman Powell to the Trailblazers for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. This trade was impactful to me because I'm trying to figure out why did the Raptors do this. Norman Powell was a great player on that team. He was producing points, an efficient shooter, and he's also a great defender. And then they let him go for Gary Trent Jr., who is a young player, still developing. And then you have a veteran in Rodney Hood. It's it's just it's weird. It really is because you have Kyle Lowry, you have uh, Fred Van Vliet, you have Siakam, you have Aaron Baines. And Powell was to help that starting five, and, you know, they were – like I said, the Raptors were only losing games because they had players that were either A, injured, the games were postponed because they didn't have enough healthy players because of COVID. So even though the Raptors record is currently 18 and 28, they're only one game back from being in the playing tournament. So I didn't see the point of them trading Norman Powell for those two players. Me personally, I wouldn't have done that trade. I would have stuck with the team that I got. If I was going to trade anything, I was going to trade for another center. Because you have, you have Boosh. Oh, my God. The Raptors is a really nice team. I just don't, I really don't understand why they did that trade. We'll have to see later in the season or when the season ends where Toronto ends up and where Portland ends up. Because I think Norman Powell is a very pivotal player. And the fact that the Raptors gave him up and sent him to Portland, I would love to see what Toronto does without him. And then the last trade I want to talk about is my Dallas Mavericks trading James Johnson and Wes Iwendu and a 2021 second round pick to the Pelicans for J.J. Redick and Melly. Our problem in the bubble was we didn't have any defenders. We didn't have any defense and it showed. You know, we had Dorian Finney-Smith and we had Tim Hardaway Jr., but Tim Hardaway Jr. isn't as great of a defender as in DFS. So with Finney-Smith having the guard, whether it's Kawhi or Paul George, it just one or the other is going to get more buckets depending on who's guarding or who's not guarding him. Then we picked up Josh Richardson in free agency. Um, We picked up James Johnson. We picked up Wes Iwendu. Those were players that were strictly for defense. So we were more like, okay, we need 3 and D players. We gave up Curry, which was a very huge loss for us, I believe, because Curry was someone that was coming off the bench, and he was he was scoring. He showed you why his last name was Curry. And we traded him for Josh Richardson. And Josh Richardson is a 3 and D player, but he's not as an efficient scorer as Curry. So once we did all of that in the offseason, now we're looking at us and we're like, okay, we're literally just switching between the 7th and 8th seed. We, we are still getting beat by teams that we shouldn't be getting beat by and it's mostly because of we don't have offense. It's just Luka carrying the load. KP's barely playing. When KP is playing, he's not looking like the KP that we traded for. So with that being said, he wasn't looking like the KP that we traded for. And also we had players that was out because of COVID as well. But me being like a Mavericks fan, I want to see us improve. I'm seeing that our defense is still a problem. Our late game situations is still a problem. We don't either know. We don't know how to either A, keep the lead in the fourth quarter when it's close or B, try to, you know, come back. 
I mean, we're we're just horrible in fourth quarter late game situations. So we still needed to improve on that. And since we needed more offense now, with us trading Wes and James Johnson and getting J.J. Redick, who's an excellent shooter, if anybody knows about three-point specialists in basketball, whether it's college or NBA, you know who J.J. Redick is. The man was a sniper, and uh, he was a sniper when he was in Duke. He was a sniper on the Clippers, sniper on the Pelicans, and he's going to be a sniper on Dallas. He is up there in age, but at least we got a shooter for right now. We needed that badly. Um, We also got Melly, who is an okay shooter as well. He's supposed to be a sniper. We'll see what happens when he's on the team. I put this trade on the list because, one, I'm a Dallas Mavericks fan. And then, two, it was frustrating seeing all these different teams making moves. You had the buyouts from weeks ago where Blake Griffin went to the Nets. You recently had Andre Drummond going to the Lakers. You had Aldridge going to the Nets. You see all these players and teams making moves, and then you look at your team, and we're not really doing anything. It kind of sucked, and so I just had to put that trade in there. But if I choose a winner from the trade deadline slash buyout market from the East, I have to say I have to say the Chicago Bulls. They got rid of Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., uh, Daniel Gafford. They got rid of Hutchinson. They got rid of Mo Wagner. They got rid of all these players and added a defensive player in Aminu, defensive player in Troy Brown. They added Daniel Tice, who's a great backup, who could be a great backup center, who plays both sides of the floor. They added an all-star and put him there with Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic you can't just overlook any of that you cannot so the fact that the ball or the I keep saying Boston Celtics the fact that the Chicago Bulls did all those plays and made all those moves it's intriguing to see where they end up this season but even if they miss the playoffs this season next season they're gonna have you're gonna have a full season of that roster full season with Kobe White if he doesn't get traded uh Zach Levine Lowry Markinen um Nikola Vucevic, Thaddeus Young, Daniel Tice, you're going to have a great team right there. Will they win the finals with that roster? No, but if, you know, they get the addition of Lonzo Ball, who's been rumored to be on that team, you know, Lonzo said he wants to leave New Orleans and go to either the Knicks or the Bulls. If he goes to the Knicks, that'll be great because now you have Lonzo with Quickly and Julius Randle uh, and uh, Mitchell Robinson. D. Rose, I believe, still might be there next season. If Lonzo goes to the Bulls and he gets signed there and not traded, you can have Lonzo starting with Kobe White coming off the bench. The Bulls is definitely on the right track. They definitely have my pick for the best uh, moves during this trade deadline slash buyout market. For the Western Conference, before the buyout, I wanted to say the Denver Nuggets just based on adding uh, Aaron Gordon. But now looking at it, it's pretty much difficult to not say the Lakers. The Lakers just added Andre Drummond, who could give you 15-15. Andre Drummond is a fantastic rebounder. Sure, he's only good under the basket, but he could play both ends of the floor. He could be at the basket, get you some buckets there, but he also could get you rebounds. He could get you some block shots. And the Lakers kind of needed to make a move because LeBron is out for four to six weeks. AD is out for at least two more weeks. So you're not going to have your team fully available till the playoffs start. So the fact that the Lakers made that move was huge. Uh, the Denver Nuggets getting rid of Gary Harris and RJ Hampton, I believe to me personally, getting rid of RJ Hampton is a big blow, but them adding Aaron Gordon and then actually giving minutes to bowl bowl. The Denver Nuggets is definitely making a push for the playoffs if people didn't think they were before.
And it's crazy because the Western Conference, like I said, every year is so competitive. So when it comes to Western Conference teams making moves in the buyout market or the trade deadline, you don't want to be one of those teams that kind of just miss out and don't get anyone because then you're behind the curve. But again, my Eastern Conference team who won the trade deadline is the Bulls. My Western Conference team, you could choose the Nuggets or the Lakers. Overall, I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls just because to see what they got rid of and added Daniel Tice and added uh, Nikola Vucevic is very, very huge. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, Please share it. Please follow me on all DSPs. Is that the right term? Please follow me on all podcast platforms. Follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter. You know how that goes. And usually, I end the podcast with a song. I'm going to choose a song that just came out. We're going to go with Big Shot by Guap Dad 4000 off his new album, 1176. That came out recently. Uh, The Free Cash Project by 221 Cash just dropped. Again, I'm going to go with Big Shot by Guap Dad 4000 off his album, 1176. This is the Paper Route Podcast. I'm your host, Styles, and I'll see you guys next week where we're going to be talking about the Justice League. See you guys then. Peace. You gotta understand me, me Me and all my niggas, we some big shots Got the plan, me me. Send a shooter, he gon' send a big shots Know I look young, but I got big guap Big fatty, big breaded Big love, check me when I'm big headed Everybody wear a crown around me Even my demons felt blessed when they found me I'm a baller, shot caller Little mama, my baby, but not my baby mama Shit, I could change that too. Yeah, I was busting out the motherfucking bag. Hey, pulled 10, 20, 30 racks out on they broke ass. My bitch dick busting out the frame. Play with that on the jet. She was busting on a plane. Trying to put on for my motherfucking team. I paint a picture with my words. I'm trying to put on for that scene. I got niggas who just waiting on a text. And they gon' pull up like what's next. If it's a problem, we gon' get on niggas next. I know. I could be a boss with my eyes closed. I mind froze, but I need my guys froze. I'm just tryna put my niggas on, tryna put my niggas on. So that's why you gotta understand me. Yeah, yeah. Me and all my niggas, we some big shots. Big shots. Got the plan, me. And I send a shooter, he gon' send a big shots. I know I look young, but I got big guap, big fatty, big breaded, big love. Yeah. They check me when I'm big headed. Everybody wear a crown around me. Even my demons felt blessed when they found me. I'm a baller, shot caller. Little mama, my baby, but not my baby mama. Shit, I could change that too. Tastemaker, tastemakers ripping off. ripping off Why you pillow talking, why you kiss and talk pillow talk. That's the type of shit that's supposed to piss me off Element. Then I'm out of pocket when them sticks involved this, this, huh. this. It wasn't always boss shit no. It wasn't always huh. come up off the cost shit Check. I had to sacrifice and leave sacrifice. Or the streets was finna sacrifice me I know I could be a boss with my eyes closed. I know mine froze, but I need my guys froze. I'm just tryna put my niggas on, tryna put my niggas on. So that's why you gotta understand me. Yeah, yeah. Me and all my niggas, we some big shots. Big shots. Got the plan, me. And I send a shooter, he gon' send him big shots. I know I look young, but I got big guap, guap. Big fatty, big breaded, big love. Yeah. They check me when I'm big headed. Everybody wear a crown around me. Even my demons felt blessed when they found me. I'm a 
baller. Shot caller. Little mama, my baby, but not my baby mama. Shit, I can change that too. 